Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Thursday, October 12th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I am Wayne Floyd, your host. Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. A lot of great listening over there, over 60 well-curated podcasts, wide, wide variety of topic matters, all covered from a Christian worldview. Definitely trustworthy content over there. My brothers and sisters in Christ doing a great job over there for the kingdom. So I would encourage you to go over there. I will guarantee you you're going to find at least something you want to listen to. And there's a really good possibility you're going to find more over there to listen to than you have time to listen to it in. And I say that from from experience because, uh, yeah, that's what happened to me. <laughs> I can't listen to all the stuff they have over there that I want to listen to. So I would definitely encourage you to get on over there. Um, let's see. I want to continue to point you at the next to last link in our show notes. It is for the Vail Valley Baptist Church Gives In Go campaign. We are striving to rapidly pay off our mortgage so that we can commence establishment of a Christian classic education-based school to provide a trustworthy alternative here within our community. So go ahead, click on the link. Uh, Pastor Jay's provided a very, very thorough description of what we're trying to do. And then we would ask three things of you. We'd ask you to pray for us. We'd ask you to prayerfully consider giving to us. And we'd ask you to pass the link along so others can do the same. All right, well, we're going to be continuing on with it being Thursday. We're continuing on in our Bible reading. We're, let's see, we're still in Jeremiah, 1 Thessalonians, Psalms, and Proverbs. Um, and then this evening, we're going to continue on. You know, we've started on into John chapter 14, and we're going to continue that on in this section about being comfort for troubled hearts. So let's go ahead and let's open up with prayer. We're going to open up with the fifth day morning prayer. It's called the giver. Let's pray. Creator, upholder, and proprietor of all things. We cannot escape from thy presence and control, nor do we desire to do so. Our privilege is to be under the agency of thy omnipotence, righteousness, wisdom, patience, mercy, and grace. For thou art love with more than parental affection. We admire thy goodness, stand in awe of thy power, abase ourselves before thy purity. It is the discovery of thy goodness alone that can banish our fear. Allure us into thy presence, help us to bewail and confess our sins. We review our past guilt and are conscious of present unworthiness. We bless thee that thy steadfast love and attributes are essential to our happiness and hope. Thou hast witnessed to us thy grace and mercy in the bounties of nature, in the fullness of thy providence, in the revelations of scripture, in the gift of thy Son, in the proclamation of the gospel. Make us willing to be saved in thy own way, perceiving nothing in ourselves but all in Jesus. Help us not only to receive him, but to walk in him, depend upon him, commune with him, Follow him as dear children, imperfect but still pressing forward, not complaining of labor, but valuing rest, not murmuring under trials, but thankful for our state. And by so doing, let us silence the ignorance of foolish men. Amen. All right, our morning devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening um, for October 12th. <clears throat> uh, the text for it comes from Psalm 119.15. Yeah, the, the biggest of the Psalms. Psalm 119, verse 15. I will meditate in thy precepts. 
There are times when solitude is better than society, and silence is wiser than speech. We should be better Christians if we were more alone, waiting upon God and gathering through meditation and gathering through meditation on His Word, spiritual strength, for labor in His service. We ought to muse upon the things of God because we thus get the real nutriment out of them. Truth is something like the cluster of the vine. If we would have wine from it, we must bruise it, we must press and squeeze it many times. The bruiser's feet must come down joyfully upon the bunches, or else the juice will not flow, and they must well tread the grapes, or else much of the precious liquid will be wasted. So we must, by meditation, tread the clusters of truth, if we would get the wine of consolation therefrom. Our bodies are not supported by merely taking food into the mouth, but the process which really supplies the muscle and the nerve and the sinew and the bone is the process of digestion. It is by digestion that the outward food becomes assimilated with the inner life. Our souls are not nourished merely by listening a while to this, and then to that, and then to the other part of divine truth. Hearing, reading, marking, and learning all require inwardly digesting to complete their usefulness. Excuse me, and the inward digesting of the truth lies, for the most part, in meditating upon it. Why is it that some Christians, although they hear many sermons, make but slow advances in the divine life? Because they do neglect their closets and do not thoughtfully meditate on God's word. They love the wheat, but they do not grind it. They would have the corn, but they will not go forth into the fields to gather it. Their fruit, the fruit hangs upon the tree, but they will not pluck it. The water flows at their feet, but they will not stoop to drink it. From such folly deliver us, O Lord, and be this our resolve this morning. I will meditate in thy precepts. Well said. Uh, we have a serious biblical illiteracy problem uh, here in our country, um, within the church as a whole. Uh, horrible biblical illiteracy problem, and it, it is because of that. you got people not spending time studying the word, reading the word, or meditating on the word at all. They're just too busy. You're too busy for the kingdom of God, seriously? And you have to ask, if they're too busy for that, I have to ask, are you saved? Now, again, I'm not trying to question your salvation, but it's like, if we're saved, we should hunger for the word. We should hunger to meditate on the word. So, just a point. Um, I think Spurgeon nails it there, um, as he usually does. I mean, go figure. That's why he's called the Prince of Preachers. All right, so we're going to do our reading today. We're going to read Jeremiah 19, 20, and 21, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 4 through 28, Psalm 82, and Proverbs 25, verses 9 and 10. So Jeremiah 19. Thus says Yahweh, Go and buy a potter's earthenware jar, and take some of the elders of the people and some of the elders of the priests. Then go out to the valley of Ben-Hinnom, which is by the entrance of the potsherd gate, and there call out the words that I tell you. And say, Hear the word of Yahweh, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel. Behold, I am about to bring a calamity upon this place, at which the ears of everyone that hears of it will tingle, because they have forsaken me and have made this a foreign place, and have burned incense in it to other gods, that neither they nor their fathers nor the kings of Judah had ever known, and because they have filled this place with the blood of the innocent, and have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, a thing which I never commanded or spoke of, nor did it ever come upon my heart. Therefore, behold, days are coming, declares Yahweh, when this place will no longer be called Topheth, or the valley of Ben-Hinnom, but, but rather the valley of slaughter. 
I will empty out the council of Judah and Jerusalem to the point of destruction in this place, and I will cause them to fall by the sword before their enemies and by the hand of those who seek their life. And I will give over their carcasses as food for the birds of the sky and the beasts of the earth. I will also make this city an object of horror and of hissing. Everyone who passes by it will be horrified and hiss because of all its slaughtering. I will make them eat the flesh of their sons and the flesh of their daughters, and they will eat one another's flesh in the siege and in the distress with which their enemies and those who seek their life will distress them. Then you are to break the jar in the sight of the men who accompany you, and you shall say to them, Thus says Yahweh of hosts, Just so will I break this people and this city, even as one breaks a potter's vessel, which cannot again be repaired. And they will bury in Topheth, because there is no other place for burial. This is what I will do to this place and its inhabitants, declares Yahweh, so as to make this city like Topheth. And the houses of Jerusalem and the houses of the kings of Judah will be defiled like the place Topheth, because of all the houses on whose rooftops they burned incense to all the heavenly host, and poured out drink offerings to other gods. Then Jeremiah came from Topheth, where Yahweh had set him to prophesy. And he stood in the court of the house of Yahweh, and said to all the people, Thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am about to bring on this city and all its towns the entire calamity that I have spoken against it, because they have stiffened their neck so as not to hear my words. Jeremiah 20 Then Pashur the priest, the son of Immer, who was ruling overseer in the house of Yahweh, heard Jeremiah prophesying these words. And Peshur had Jeremiah the prophet struck, and put him in the stocks that were in at the upper Benjamin gate, which was by the house of Yahweh. Now it happened that on the next day Peshur released Jeremiah from the stocks, and Jeremiah said to him, Peshur is not the name Yahweh has called you, but rather Magor Misabib. For thus says Yahweh, Behold, I am going to make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends, and while your eyes look on, they will fall by the sword of their enemies. So I will give over all Judah to the hand of the king of Babylon, and he will take them away into exile to Babylon, and will strike them down with the sword. I will also give over all the wealth of this city, all the fruit of its labor, and all its precious things, even all the treasures of the kings of Judah, I will give over to the hand of their enemies. And they will plunder them, take them away, and bring them to Babylon. And you, Peshur, and all who live in your house will go into captivity, and you will enter Babylon, and there you will die, and there you will be buried, you and all your friends to whom you have prophesied lies. O Yahweh, you have enticed me, and I was enticed. You were stronger than I, and you prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me, for each time I speak, I cry aloud. I call out violence and devastation, because for me... The word of Yahweh has resulted in reproach and derision all day long. But if I say I will not remember him or speak any more in his names, name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in, and I cannot prevail. For I have heard the bad report of many. Terror on every side. Denounce him, yes, let us denounce him. All my trusted friends, keeping watch for my fall, say perhaps he will be deceived so that we may prevail against him and take our revenge on him. But Yahweh is with me like a ruthless mighty one. Therefore my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will be utterly ashamed because they have not prospered with an everlasting dishonor that will not be forgotten. Yet, O Yahweh of hosts, you who test the righteous, who see the mind and the heart, let me see your vengeance on them. For to you I have revealed my cause. Sing to Yahweh, praise Yahweh, for he has delivered the soul of the needy one from the hand of evildoers. Cursed be the day when I was born. Let the day not be blessed when my mother bore me. 
Cursed be the man who brought the good news to my father, saying, A baby boy has been born to you, and made him very glad. But let that man be like the cities which Yahweh overthrew without relenting, and let him hear, hear an outcry in the morning and a shout of war at noon, because he did not put me to death from the womb, so that my mother would have been my grave, and her womb ever pregnant. Why did I ever come forth from the womb to look on trouble and sorrow, so that my days have been spent in shame? Jeremiah 21 The word which came to Jeremiah from Yahweh when King Zedekiah sent to him Pashur the son of Malchijah and Zephaniah the priest the son of Messiah, saying, Please inquire of Yahweh on our behalf, for Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon is warring against us. Perhaps Yahweh will deal with us according to all his wonderful acts, so that the enemy will go from us go up from us. Then Jeremiah said to them, Thus you shall say to Zedekiah, Thus says Yahweh the God of Israel, Behold, I am about to turn back the weapons of war which are in your hands, with which you are warring against the king of Babylon and the Chaldeans who are besieging you outside the wall, and I will gather them into the center of this city. I myself will war against you with an outstretched hand and a strong arm, even in anger and wrath and great indignation. I will also strike down the inhabitants of this city, both man and beast. They will die of a great pestilence. Then afterwards, declares Yahweh, I will give over Zedekiah, king of Judah, and his servants and the people, even those who remain in the city from the pestilence, the sword, and the famine, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of their enemies, and into the hand of those who seek their lives. And he will strike them down with the edge of the sword. He will not show pity on them, nor spare, nor have compassion. You shall also say to this people, Thus says Yahweh, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. He who inhabits this city will die by the sword, and by famine, and by pestilence. But he who goes out and falls away to the Chaldeans who are besieging you will live, and he will have his own life as spoil. For I have set my face against this city for evil and not for good, declares Yahweh. It will be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he will burn it with fire. Then say to the household of the king of Judah, Hear the word, mm, hear the word of Yahweh. O house of David, thus says Yahweh, Render justice every morning, and deliver the person who has been robbed from the power of his oppressor. Lest my wrath go forth like fire, and burn with none to extinguish it, because of the evil of their deeds. Behold, I am against you. O inhabitant of the valley, O rocky plain, declares Yahweh, you men who say, Who will come down against us, or who will enter into our dwelling places? But I will punish you according to the results of your deeds, declares Yahweh, and I will kindle a fire in its forest, that it may devour all its surroundings. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 4 But you, brothers, are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep sleep at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore comfort one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. But when we ask of you, brothers, that you know those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you, and that you regard them very high in love because of their work, 
live in peace with one another. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice all rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but examine all things. Hold fast to that which is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete, without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, who also will do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I implore you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sorry. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God takes his stand in the congregation of God. He judges in the midst of God's. How long will you judge unrighteously and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Give justice to the poor and the orphan. Justify the afflicted and destitute. destitute. Protect the poor and needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. They do not know and do not understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said you are gods, and all of you are sons of the Most High. Nevertheless you will die like men, and you will fall like any one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for it is you who will inherit all the nations. All right. And Proverbs 25, verses 9 and 10. Plead your case with your neighbor, and do not reveal the secret of another, lest he who hears it brings disgrace upon you, and the bad report about you will not turn away. All right. Well, that is our reading for the day and our and our program for this morning. I uh, thank you for spending this time with me. Um, I hope you have yourself a wonderful day. I would continue to implore you to do all you do for the glory of God. And I hope to see you for the evening segment. We are going to close out with prayer. And the prayer we're going to close out with is, for, of course, from Valley of Vision. And it's called Morning Needs. Let's pray. Oh, God, the author of all good, I come to thee for the grace another day for the grace another day will require for its duties and events. I step out into a wicked world. I carry about with me an evil heart. I know that without thee I can do nothing, that everything with which I shall be concerned, however harmless in itself, may prove an occasion of sin or folly, unless I am kept by thy power. Hold thou me up, and I shall be safe. Preserve my understanding from subtlety of error, my affections from love of idols, my character from stain of vice, my profession from every form of evil. May I engage in nothing in which I cannot implore thy blessing, and in which I cannot invite thy inspection. Prosper me in all lawful undertakings, or prepare me for disappointments. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee, and say, Who is the Lord? Or, by, or be poor and, in, and steal, and take thy name in vain. May every creature be made good to me by prayer and thy will. Teach me how to use the world and not abuse it, to improve my talents, to redeem my time, to walk in wisdom towards those without and in kindness to those within, to do good to all men, and especially to my fellow Christians, and to thee be the glory. Be, yeah, be the glory. Amen. All right, well, again, thank you for spending this time with me this morning, and I hope to see you this evening. Have a good one. God bless.
Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Thursday, October 12th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. All right, we're going to be continuing on in our study of John, the Gospel of John, John chapter 14. We've actually moved into John chapter 14, did that last evening. So uh, we're going to go ahead and continue it this evening. Let's go ahead and open up. We're opening up with a prayer from Valley Vision called Christ Alone. Let's pray. O God, thy main plan and the end of thy will is to make Christ glorious and beloved in heaven, where he is now ascended, where one day all the elect will behold his glory and love and glorify him forever. Though here I love him but little, may this be my portion at last. In this world thou hast given me a beginning, one day it will be perfected in the realm above. Thou hast helped me to see and know Christ, though obscurely to take him, receive him, to possess him, love him, to bless him in my heart, mouth, life. Let me study and stand for discipline and all the ways of worship, out of love for Christ, and to show my thankfulness, to seek and know his will from love, to hold it in love, and daily to care for and keep this state of heart. Thou hast led me to place all my all my nature and happiness in oneness with Christ, in having heart and mind centered only on him, and being like him in communicating good to others. This is my heaven on earth, but I need the force, energy, impulses of thy spirit to carry me on the way to my Jerusalem. Here it is my duty to be as Christ in this world, to do what he would do, to live as he would live, to walk in love and meekness. Then would he be known, then would I have peace and death. Amen. All right, in the evening devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for October 12th, uh, the text for it is John 14:26, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. This age is peculiarly the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, in which Jesus cheers us, not by his personal presence, as he shall do by and by, but by the indwelling and constant abiding of the Holy, Holy Ghost, who is evermore the Comforter of the Church. It is his office to console the hearts of God's people. He convinces us sin, he illumines illuminates and instructs, but still the main part of his work lies in making glad the hearts of the renewed in, in confirming the weak and lifting up and lifting up all those that he bowed down. He does this by revealing Jesus to them. The Holy Spirit consoles, but Christ is the consolation. If we may use the figure, the Holy Spirit is the physician, but Jesus is the medicine. He heals the wound, but it is by applying the holy ointment of Christ's name and grace. He takes not of his own things, but of the things of Christ. So if we give to the Holy Spirit the Greek name of Paraclete, as we sometimes do, then our heart confers on our blessed Lord Jesus the title of Paraclesis. If the one be the comforter, the other is the comfort. Now with such rich provision for his need, why should the Christian be sad and desponding? The Holy Spirit has graciously engaged to be to be thy comforter. Dost thou imagine, O thou weak and trembling believer, that he will be negligent of his sacred trust? Canst thou suppose that he has undertaken what he cannot or will not perform? If it be his especial work to strengthen thee and to comfort thee, dost thou suppose he has forgotten his business, or that he will fail in the loving office which he sustains towards thee? Nay, think not so bad, hardly of the tender and blessed spirit, whose name is the Comforter. He delights to give the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of, heavy, of heaviness. Trust thou in him, and he will surely comfort thee till the house of mourning is closed forever, and the marriage feast has begun. All right, well, like I said, 
Uh, we are, we've moved into John chapter 14, and we are in a section about comfort for the troubled hearts. Um, so we're going to be dealing with uh, verses 2 and 3 of John 14, but I'm going to go ahead and read the first six verses to you, because they're all within this same line. So John 14, verse 1. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also you may be also, and you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So again, we, we've dealt with, like, like, I, like I mentioned last evening, um, we've seen Jesus' love, the, the sacrificial love of washing their feet, and then him is continuing to tell them, you know, listen, I'm going away, but you're going to be joining me, um, even in the face of, of Peter's, you know, of him calling out Peter, well, the fact that there's betrayal coming in, that, that Peter is going to turn his back on him and deny him. But again, so we started in verse 31 of chapter 13. We've started into this section um, that is called the Upper Room Discourse. And of course, it goes from John 13, 31, all the way through John 16. So that's where we're at. That's, that's what we're looking at here. So we're in that Upper Room Discourse. And as, as I told you last evening, we got to realize I, it's really, really easy for us to just go, oh yeah, okay, they're, they're in the upper room, they're having a meal and they're chatting around and, you know, see it almost as a dinner party. Except the fact is, Jesus has basically turned these guys' world upside down. Um, like I said last night, they've given up everything. They have given up absolutely everything to follow this man for three years. They've, they've walked, lived, slept, eaten, been taught by um, 24-7, 365 with this man for three years. This is their Messiah. This is their King. And as much spiritual sight as they have in acknowledging that at the same time, as I've said, there's, there's, there's some partial spiritual blindness there because they're seeing him as a temporal King. Again, what I mean by temporal is a worldly King that he is going to that he is going to take over the kingship of Israel. He's going to throw off the Roman yoke. He's going to bring peace to all the Israelites. He's going to stomp everybody else around them so they leave them alone and give them peace. Um, wow, doesn't that sound like that'd be nice right now, considering what is happening to the people in Israel right now? But, you know, it, regardless of that, but 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 they, they think that. I mean, they're right along with Judas and everybody else. Of course, in Judas's case, it's like, Oh, I want to see that happen because I want to be the guy at his right hand. I mean, he, he wants to be that, that, that guy who has Jesus's ear, you know, that guy of importance. It's all about Judas. It's not about the job that that's where he differs from the rest of these, but it, it's the same thing as like the rest of the people. I mean, we saw that after Jesus fed the 5,000, they want to make him King. And like I told you then they wanted to make him King because he was given free food. And of course we sit there and go, Oh boy, yeah, I go over to Costco and I and I hit all the uh, <laughs> all the samplers and oh boy, I can basically have lunch on samplers. No, no, no. You got we have to understand that the kind of life these folks lived, a free meal was a huge financial boon to them. We have to remember that was a huge financial boon. So they wanted a guy that was going to give them free meals. I mean, think of the change in their lifestyle that would bring. So they wanted to make him king. 
Well, okay, but but they're misunderstanding. That's why Jesus wouldn't let them do that and disperse them. Because it wasn't yet time and because that's not the kind of king he was going to be. With the triumphal entry, we see how, um, um, you know, they make that triumphal entry, but he doesn't come in on this big war charger. He comes on in on the colt of a donkey. He comes in a, on a colt of the donkey. It's clear he's establishing a spiritual kingdom, but they don't quite get that. So, like we saw in verse 1, do not let your heart be troubled. And again, we talked about that troubling. It's terrasso, that stirring up like, like the pool of Bethesda. But it's in this case, it's a spiritual and a mental stirring up that is happening to them because everything's been turned upside down. But then we saw Jesus go, believe in God, believe also in me. Again, like I said, what he's saying there, he's not saying come to a saving faith because they already are. These guys are saved. It's a trust in God and trust also in me. Trust us. We're going to take care of you. Plus, he's making clear, listen, I'm God incarnate. I am the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. I am God. So you can trust in me because no matter what you see happen, I'm still God. You know, there's there's no way. There's no concept that these guys would think that if he's truly God, if they believe that and trust in that, that even crucifixion is going to have an effect on what Jesus does. The fact is, it's actually going to help accomplish what Jesus is here for, but they don't understand that yet. They will after his death and resurrection and then his ascension, but they don't now at this point in the storyline. So Jesus goes on to comfort in verses two and three. I'm going to reread them. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So <laughs> it would be very, very easy. You know, you sit there and like I said, um, the theologian I tend to follow, I tend to use his, his notes from his um, commentaries for it talks about this being a comfort for troubled hearts and what we saw last night was comfort comes from trusting Christ's presence so again that trust trust in God trust also in me remember how I replaced the word believe with trust um th it's the same meaning that's what Jesus is saying so trusting in Christ's presence well what we're looking at today in verses two and three is comfort comes from trusting Christ's preparation so it's really easy to read verse two and three and go well how is he comforting them but that's the thing. We've got to really understand these verses to understand what he's saying to them and what they're going to grasp from it. Because it's really easy in our 21st century mind, or even in the 20th, when I was first born and growing up early, uh, we, we miss that. We don't, we don't quite grasp what he's truly saying here. And that, that's where we fail. So he's saying, in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. So he makes clear that he's leaving again. And I mean, again, this is an allusion to the fact that he's going to be crucified, but that he's leaving. But he's leaving to go do something. He's leaving to go prepare a place where they're going to join him. He's going to prepare a place for, for them. This indicates that they're not going to be separated from him forever. Thus, they, he's continuing to confirm his deity, but he's also continuing to confirm from them, yes, I know I'm going to be gone for a little while, but like we saw, he's, he's not abandoning them. They're not abandoned. They, they, they're, they're not being orphaned. Um, I think it was uh, John Owen, I was quoting, I think last night, spoke about, they're not orphaned. I mean, they may feel like that, but they're not being orphaned. He's making clear, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and he's going to 
prepare it. And, and that's why we've got to really look at the imagery he's using in his father's house. Again, so it's really easy. And I, and I, and I always kind of grew up at the understanding. And of course, again, I wasn't saved at the time, but kind of the idea of heaven is everybody's got this great big golden and pearl and everything mansion of their own. And they're all off isolated on their own. And that's not, that's not really what the, what the Bible speaks of heaven being. It really isn't. Heaven is the Father's house, and we are made in, in salvation through Jesus Christ, his adopted sons and daughters, as the disciples were. So Jesus is making clear here that God, within his house, there are many dwelling places, there are many, many rooms in this one house where his sons and daughters live. And so Jesus is going to prepare those rooms for us to come join him in our Father's house. We're not going up there to go hang out in our own private, isolated estate. We're going up to be right there living intimately with our Father God and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. So that's what he's telling him is, listen, I'm going to prepare a place right there with our Father, with your adopted Father, my, my Father, because I'm the Son of God, with our Father. I'm going to prepare a place for you in our Father's house. I'm going to get it ready for you because you're going to go there. And of course, the inference is you're going to be coming there. You're going to be coming there. I'm making it there for you. You're going to be coming there. And what a comforting statement that should be for them. And, and he needs to be because we know, because you and I know the end of this story. It gets very, very ugly for them. I mean, especially, sorry, one of these days I'm actually going to remember to mute that. But but what we got to realize is this is about to get ugly for them, you know, right after Jesus dies right after he's murdered and then resurrected, you know, hiding and everything like that, thinking they're going to be killed first. But as amazing as their, as their ministry is and as, as their evangelism is and in the mission that they do, the, the proclamation of the gospel they do, and it is. And I think every one of them would tell them, tell you it was worth them facing death because they do. Like I said, all of them are killed for their faith, for professing their faith, except John, who is exiled. And I think truly they would all say it was totally worth it. It was absolutely worth it. But that's what I'm saying. It is going to get tough. Trials and tribulations are going to come. They come on us now. Um, I would, I'm not trying to uh, equate ours with theirs, at least here in the Western world. But again, trials and tribulations are going to come. They are not going to be easy, but how comforting. Not only is he saying that to, the, to those 11 that are still there, but that's a message to us as well. I, I, I'm not saying Jesus is trying to be, you know, be, be, be um, clever or anything, but he's telling them that. But that statement applies to us as well, that Jesus has prepared a dwelling place for you and I there with the father in the father's house. So no matter how, how bad it gets down here, I mean, that's the thing that should be a reminder for us that we're sojourners here. Our father's house is there in heaven. We're a visitor here. This is not my home. And that's where we Christians really need to be. This is not our home. And that's kind of what Jesus is telling them, them too. your home's not here. Your home's there. And I'm going to get it ready for you. Meaning I'm going to get it ready for you because you're going to join me there. But we go on in verse three, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there, you may be also again. So he's saying, listen, I'm going to repair, prepare a place for you. And then I'm not just going to go wander off somewhere else in hopes that you show up here. I'm coming back 
and I'm going to receive you to myself. I'm going to bring you to myself, self, that where I am, there you may be also. I'm going to come fetch you. He's being clear. I may go. I'm going to go, but I'm going to, I'm going to prepare that place and I'm going to come get you so that you may be with me. Again, speaking of that intimate, that, that intimate place that they're, that they're going to be, that, that they're going to be with him. That's what he's speaking of there. Um, and, and like I said, he's not just going to go do, go get this place ready as some cosmic spiritual busy work. This isn't going through and dusting off the shelves just to dust off the shelves. He's preparing a place because they are going to join him there. He's preparing a place because we are going to join him there. He's going to prepare that place so that we can come to, we will be brought to him and we may be there in our father's house. Now, what he's speaking of there, I will come again. That's speaking here of the rapture. He's not speaking here of the judgment or any of those characteristics which would indicate the great white throne judgment. Um, in that case, it's the angels bringing everybody up. He's not speaking of that. He's speaking of the rapture here because he's going to come and get them. So the dead in Christ will rise first. That's them. They will come to him. They will go up to heaven. The same is true for us. I mean, this is what Jesus is saying. He's comforting them. Yes, I'm going away. And I know that's terrifying you. But I'm going to our father's house. I'm preparing you a place because I will be coming back to get you. And I will take you there where you can be intimately. You can intimately dwell with our father and with me. That's what he's telling them. And, and truly, that's what he's telling you and I in these verses. They should truly com comfort these disciples hearts and and i have to believe i mean i mean i guess i would say and i think i said it last night too if these if this comfort did not work well okay i'll say a couple of things one i truly believe that the work of god even god incarnate always works to completion so if jesus is trying to comfort them here do not let your heart be troubled. That says he's trying to comfort from verse one. So he's trying to comfort here. I have to believe that he's not going to put forward that work and it come back null and void. I mean, the scripture speaks of that, that it doesn't. So I have to believe that without this kind of comfort, those 11 plus Paul and who, and who, and, uh, I want to say it's Matthias who joins, I always forget, that the tw the one that joins to replace Judas, that, that that comfort does comfort them. Because without that, they would have never changed the world the way they did. I have to believe that. that, that without this, this comfort Jesus offers, they'd have never been able to do it. But because Jesus has comforted them there, as 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 much as their faith is lagging and 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 flopping around right now and they're struggling with it there's just enough and they're comforted just enough to hang on and then change the world and how awesome is that and again like i said jesus has never promised us smooth sailing as his disciples we're going to face trials and tribulations i know some of us are very very aware of that um and have experienced way too much of it lately um but we can truly take comfort in these verses 
And all we need to do is follow what Christ says. We trust in God. We trust also in him so that our hearts don't need to be troubled. And we need to know that he has gone. He has gone and he has prepared dwelling places. He has prepared rooms in his father's house and our father's house for us. And he is going to come again and receive us so that we may go and live there with him, that we will go to our home, not this place we're visiting, but we'll go to our home. So even in the face of our trials and tribulations, Jesus' preparation of the dwelling place for us in our Father's house and his returning to bring us to join him there should be all the comfort we need to persevere and be proper witnesses for Christ and for his bride, the body. And again, I know it can be very, very hard in the face of this kind of thing, in the face of the kind of trials and tribulations we have to face, the, fa the kind of trials and tribulations they faced. I mean, we're very, very fortunate that at least in our country, Nobody here is getting killed for their faith, at least not yet, at least, well, and I should say not, not by the authorities. I mean, the, the government is not going around trying to kill us because we're trying to practice Christianity. So at least we're not facing that kind of thing. And we don't feel like we're having to hide to keep from being killed and be crucif being crucified. But there are still trials and tribulations we, we, um, we run into. Um, the fact is Jesus is very, very clear. He didn't come to make peace, but a sword. The gospel is a sword. The gospel separates. It, it is because it is exclusive. The gospel is exclusive. It is not inclusive. It is exclusive. It is exclusive for those who would believe. Um, and whether you want to admit it or not, God has no intention. Well, actually, let me reword that. God has been clear that not all of mankind, past, present, and future, will be saved. Some will face judgment and burn in the lake of fire. So, you know, um, so life is going to be tough for us. Life is going to be hard. We are going to face this kind of thing. And those, those who are not going to turn to a saving faith in Christ... Those who are going to end up burning in the lake of fire, they are not going to tolerate, they are not going to handle our holding firmly to the gospel well. They are going to get ugly. They are going to get violent. They are going to be extremely unpleasant. And I'm just trying to use nice words about it because it gets worse than that. But in that, in that we, we need to trust in Christ's presence and in his preparation. Do not let our hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And again, his preparation. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Again, we must take comfort in that. And, 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 and when we truly understand it, I don't know how we don't take comfort in that. Doesn't mean life's not going to be hard. Doesn't mean we aren't going to struggle with it sometimes. Believe me, I do every day. But the fact is, my Savior has me. And in that, I need to take comfort. And I should be able to take comfort. All right, well, that's going to do it for today. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap up in prayer. We're going to wrap up with the fifth day evening prayer. It's called protection. Let's pray. 
O Lord God, Thou art our Preserver, Governor, Savior, and Coming Judge. Quieten our souls to call upon Thy name. Detach us from the influence of the flesh and the senses. Impress us with the power of faith. Promote in us spirituality of mind that will render our services acceptable to Thee and delightful and profitable to ourselves. Bring us into that state which attracts Thine eye and prepare us to receive the proofs of Thy love. Show us our danger that we may fly to Thee for refuge. Make us sensible of our sin's disease that we may value the good physician. Placard to us the cross that it may slay the enmity of our hearts. Help us to be watchful over our ways, jealous over our tempers, diligent over our hearts. When we droop, revive us. When we loiter, quicken us. When we go astray, restore us. Possess us with more of that faith, which is the principle of all vital godliness. May we be rich in faith, be strong in faith, live by faith, walk by faith, experience the joy of faith, do the work of faith, hope through faith, faith, perceiving nothing in ourselves. May we find in the Savior wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Amen. All right, well, thank you for spending this time with me this evening. I hope this time together helps you to gain a deeper understanding of the scriptures and helps to shape your Christian walk. Um, I, I hope the same thing for myself and pray for the same thing for myself. I hope you have yourself a wonderful evening and I hope to see you tomorrow morning. Have a good night. God bless.